Hello, I'm Paulette Lee, and you're listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. If you're over 60, you're still worthy of being heard. I had to fight it when I was in my 20s when I wanted to go on air as a broadcast journalist and finally succeeded in doing so. And now in my 70s, it's happening all over again. I'm talking about misogyny, which is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as, quote, dislike of contempt for or ingrained prejudice against women, unquote. We often just call it sexism. And yes, I'm talking about the U.S. Supreme Court decision annulling Roe v. Wade and letting states individually decide when or whether a woman can terminate her pregnancy. If you personally are against abortion, fine, don't have one. But I do not believe government has the right to intervene in personal, private, individual choices. No, this is not going to be a rant against the Supreme Court's decision. I respect your right to have your own opinion. But I am very concerned that we women have to keep fighting for our autonomy, our freedoms, our independence, our very human rights when they're a given for men. Take, for example, reproductive rights. Why are there no legislative attempts to regulate men's reproductive lives? Where does this misogyny come from? I I mean, I realize it's historical, but why do we have to keep revisiting it and resisting it over and over again? We worked so hard in the 70s and 80s, and now, 50 years later, we and our daughters and granddaughters have to fight the same battles again. What keeps not changing? Academy Award-winning actor Gina Davis and her colleagues at the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media believe one reason nothing ever changes is because we're exposed to negative and sexualized images and representation of women from an early age. Davis established the Institute in 2004, and today it defines itself as, quote, the only global research-based organization working collaboratively within the entertainment industry to create gender balance, foster inclusion, and reduce negative stereotyping in family entertainment media, unquote. Its slogan is a lot easier to say. If she can see it, she can be it. The insightful 2018 Netflix documentary, This Changes Everything, takes a critical look at gender disparity in Hollywood through the eyes of many professionals in the industry. The title refers to Davis's comment that every time there's a significant breakthrough, uh, such as in her own groundbreaking film, Thelma and Louise, the reaction of this changes everything about sexism proves to be untrue. Not even with the Golden Girls, or Grace and Frankie, or even Chandra Rhimes, a woman of color and creator of Grey's Anatomy, as well as other shows with strong female leads. And she's considered television's top showrunner. That's the executive producer who's ultimately in charge of everything. Not even with these has anything really changed. And it wasn't always this way. When movies first started, there were plenty of jobs available for women in all positions, both on and behind the screen. 
but things started to change with the end of silent films in the late 1920s. With the advent of sound, movies had to be shot indoors, and that meant there needed to be buildings, and that needed there need, uh, meant there needed to be investments, and that introduced the mail money hierarchy and studio system that not only cons consolidated a mail power structure, but with unionization, deliberately excluded women. In the 1930s, there was only one woman film director, Dorothy Arzner. The Directors Guild of America, or DGA as it's known, was formed in 1936 and was, and still is, male-dominated. Today, its female membership is still only fewer than 16%. The Gina Davis Institute relies on data to effectuate change, change of heart and mind, as well as action, in an industry where women are grossly underrepresented as writers, directors, technical crew, script lead characters, and actors. The Institute has produced some astonishing evidence of discrimination using two software tools in particular, one developed in cooperation with Google and the other with the University of Southern California to analyze screen images, sound and scripts in advertising, film and television for six major identities, gender, race slash ethnicity, LGBTQIA plus, disability, age 50 plus, and body type. In 2021, the Institute did a study, Women Over 50, The Right to Be Seen on Screen, and this is the report's executive summary. I'll put links to all these reports in the Women's World Facebook page. Quote, for this report, the Next 50 initiative collaborated with the Gina Davis Institute on gender in media to survey Americans' attitudes about representations of older adults and analyze representations of women 50 plus in film and television. Now, you'll recall if you uh, listened to my po podcast a couple of weeks ago about women in theater in the theatrical world, whether it's uh, live or on the large screen or the small screen, older women are considered older than 40. So here we're talking about older than 50. To continue with the executive uh, summary of Women Over 50, the right to be seen on screen, quote, the findings from our survey show that representations of men and women 50 plus are out of line with consumer demand. Viewers of all ages are hungry for more balanced, diverse, and aspirational portrayals of older men and women. Our analysis of the most popular films and television shows from 2010 to 2020 suggests that on-screen ageism persists and is particularly evident among on-screen women aged 50 plus. Just one in four characters who are 50 plus are women, a serious inequality in the representation of older adults in film and television. Moreover, 50-plus women who are on screen are commonly cast in supporting and minor roles and are less likely to be developed as characters in interesting ways. The executive summary continues, 
Given the lack of equitable and authentic representation of older adults in popular American film and television, especially women 50 plus, and the public's desire for change, we encourage entertainment media to actively seek out and invest in stories that fully capture the diversity of older Americans and better illustrate the full scope of their lived experiences. The data presented here pinpoint where the industry falls short, but also identify areas where significant progress has been made. But by highlighting persistent disparities, we aim to continue to push the needle forward by promoting accountability and encouraging innovation. All right, that's from the executive summary of this um, uh, Dina, Javis, Dina Gina Davis Institute uh, report on the portrayal of um, people over 50. And uh, now I'm going to share with you some of the statistics that this report includes in its executive summary. 42% of respondents 18 to 49 said they're very satisfied with the accuracy of characters who portray their age group compared to only 25% of respondents 50 plus. 83% of both men and women 50 plus agree with the statement, quote, sometimes I feel the media culture doesn't realize how much they stereotype older people. Characters 50 plus are less than a quarter of all characters in top grossing domestic films and most popular television shows. Among characters 50 plus, men are far more common on screen than women. Of all 50 plus characters, men are four out of five in film, three out of four in broadcast television, and two out of three in streaming television. From 2010 to 2020, on average, 4% of 50 characters were LGBTQIA in top streaming shows, compared to 0% in top films and 1% in broadcast television. From 2010 to 2020, on average, the share of 50 plus characters with a cognitive, physical, or mental disability in top streaming shows was 1% compared to 5% in film and 5% in broadcast. Popular films and TV shows are more likely to have 50 plus characters who are villains than heroes. 59% of films have a 50 plus character who is a villain, but only 30% have a 50 plus character who is a hero. Younger characters are far more likely to have a romantic storyline than characters 50 plus. Depending on the year, characters 49 and under are two to three times as likely to have a romantic storyline than characters 50 plus, unquote. I'm going to come back to this particular point in a little bit. But first I want to share with you the March 2021 report, Shattering Stereotypes, how today's women over 50 are redefining what's possible on screen, at work, and at home, which uh, is from the Nielsen Research Company. That report found, of course, uh, not surprisingly, that underrepresentation of women on screen is only exacerbated as they grow older. 
whereas women in general take up 38% of on-screen time on television, the share for women over 50 shrinks to 8%, even though they're 20% of the population and growing. In other words, we are 60% less likely to see ourselves represented on television compared to walking around in real life. Half of the top 100 shows on cable featured at least one man over 50, but less than one-third included a woman over the same age. In terms of how women of a certain age are portrayed on television, Nielsen found that once they turn 50, their storylines are predominantly centered around motherly or matriarchal themes. On the flip side, one of the most common plots concerning younger women is the ominous getting away. <laughs> women 50 rarely see themselves in content, and when they do, they often find a reflection of a woman that doesn't match their multifaceted relevance or reality, the report said. The April 13, 2021 article, Ageism, Still Lurks in Hollywood in USA Today, featured the annual It's a Man's Celluloid World report from the Center for the Study of Women in Television and Film at San Diego University. I want to interrupt myself here to uh, note that I did reach out both to the Gina Davis Institute and to the um, San Diego Center for the Study of Women in TV and Film uh, for interviews. Uh, one was set and canceled and the other one declined. So from that report from um, the uh, center in San Diego, quote, we see a handful of mature female actresses and assume that ageism has declined in Hollywood. Now, this is the, uh, the person who's being quoted here is the uh, center executive director. But unless your last name happens to be Streep or McDormand, chances are you're not working much in film. The tendency to feature younger female characters in films emphasizes the value of their youth and appearance at the expense of allowing females to age into positions of personal and professional power. So I want to focus on references to how older women are portrayed, specifically how our real issues are portrayed, because that's what this podcast is supposed to be about. All right. So the real issues, well, Grace and Frankie and the Kominsky Method did it on television. Remember, this was on cable. And they did it through humor. Yes, there were plenty of bathroom and memory jokes, but there was also a lot about relationships, sexuality, and daily struggles. However, the co-writer of Grace and Frankie, which was the seven-season Netflix hit, starring four octogenarians, including Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, said she thinks the show would be a hard sell now. Mara Kaufman, who was also the creator of Friends, is quoted in the online entertainment e-magazine Deadline as saying the industry, quote, just isn't as interested in telling stories about, say, enterprising older women who are on their third chapter of their lives. Everybody's looking for, what are they calling it? Comedy forward, no sad comms, Kaufman said. When we started Grace and Frankie, we were really trying to walk a line between drama and comedy, but they don't want that right now. Or if they do, it won't be about the everyday lives of characters outside 
the 18 to 49 demographic, unquote. Well, that's really a shame, given that we're a fifth of the population and rapidly gaining percentage points. And yes, for many of us, or for some of us, daily lives still do include sex. Well, maybe not daily anymore, if ever, but not everyone. I know there are contentedly partnered senior age couples who both do and don't have sex, as well as single seniors who are looking or who aren't. In fact, if you're wondering where you might fit in statistically, early in 2022, the National Poll on Healthy Aging, a project of the University of Michigan's Institute for Healthcare Policy, asked a national sample of women aged 50 to 80 about sexual activity, intimacy, and symptoms commonly associated with menopause. Two in five women aged 50 to 80, that was 43%, said they had been sexually active in the past year, and that was defined as caressing, foreplay, masturbation, or intercourse. Women aged 50 to 64 were more likely to report being sexually active than those aged 65 to 80, 53 versus 30 percent, as were those who were married or partner compared to those who were not. However, there are some studies I'd want to interject here that show that uh, single people um, have more sex than married people. Anyway. According to this study, overall 62% of women aged 50 to 80 reported being satisfied with their sexual activity in the past year. Among older women who had a spouse or partner and were sexually active, 75% reported being satisfied with the intimacy in their relationship in the past year. Among women who had a spouse or partner who were not sexually active, 50% were satisfied with the intimacy in their relationship. Okay, enough with the statistics. Let's go back to portrayal. 62-year-old Nancy is a retired religious education teacher who has never experienced anything other than rote, dispassionate sexual intercourse, and she's never had an orgasm. She hires a 29-year-old male sex worker to help her explore her sexuality. Nancy is a character in a made-for-television movie. She's played by then 63-year-old Emma Thompson, and Daryl McCormick is the 29-year-old complex and compassionate escort in Good Luck to You, Leo Grande. Wonderfully acted and sensitively written by Katie Brand, available only on Hulu TV. This is a frank, graphic, provocative, often, often humorous approach to sexuality. There is frontal nudity, which Thompson writes about. Uh, she writes about preparing for nude scenes, sex work as a viable therapeutic profession, and sexuality as an older woman in her article for this month's Vogue magazine. Again, I'll put a link to that in the uh, Woman Worthy Facebook page on this episode. But she closes this engaging article by saying, before making good luck to you, Leo Grande, I had no idea how much I would learn about my attitude to my own body, to pleasure and to shame, how much I would laugh about the genuine silliness of so many of our responses to sexual pleasure, and how much I would cry about what it is lost in life when it's repressed, ignored, and punished. I hope the film reaches as many people as possible and does the same for them." Unquote. 
wherever any of us is in our womanhood. I, Paulette, believe we should have the freedom and independence to express it and celebrate that expression. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. You have been listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. Tune in wherever you receive your podcasts with new episodes every Monday morning. You can leave your comments by downloading the Podbean app to your device and on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. I'm Paulette Lee. I hope you found this program worthy of your time.